Well, listen, I'm really excited for you to be able to hear from the person that is going to be bringing God's word to you today. We are going to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming and hit pause on the series that we've been in for the last month or so, where we've been looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, because I have asked a good friend of mine, Pastor Dan Stoffer, to come and bring God's word to you. Many of you have heard me talk about the Next Level Relational Network, which we are a part of. It's a network of roughly 130 churches around the country and into Canada that all have a similar heart to reach their city for Christ. And uh, we, we know that ministry is hard and we don't want to do it alone. And so we are connected relationally by a common heart and a common mission and a common vision to see people reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Dan Stoffer is the relational network pastor. He's one of my pastors. He has spoken into mine and Kelly's lives. And I'm excited for you to be able to hear from someone who has uh, spoken into my life. And I believe that God's got a word and see for our church. He's going to sow some things into us and we're going to benefit from that. So I want to encourage you to open up your hearts this morning, prepare for God to speak to you. And would you please give a very warm Life Church Buffalo welcome to my friend, Pastor Dan Stoffer. Let's go. Come on, Life Church Buffalo. How's everyone doing today? If you're happy to be in church, say yes. Come on, me too. I'm so happy to be here. What a privilege and an honor it is to be able to just spend some time with all of you. And, and I want you to know, as Pastor Pete was sharing, like I do get uh, able to travel and be in a lot of churches. I'm around a lot of pastors all the time. It is my full-time job. And I just want you to know that your lead pastors, Pastors Pete and Kelly, they are the real deal. Yeah, come on. You can honor them. Let them know. Give up some love. They love you, they, they, they pray for you, they seek God for you, and uh, everything that you're seeing that's out front and in the open, that's public, uh, there's so much more that's going deeper behind the scenes in their heart. They're, they're, I mean, they're just, they're in a small group with us in a network, they're in a freedom group uh, in our network, they're just, they're open, they're sponges, they're teachable, and uh, this is why, when you look around in a room like this and you just, you can sense God's presence, it's life-giving, it's exciting, it's because your pastors are leading the way. Yeah, come on, we thank God for them one more more time. Thank God for you. Um, I am here uh, not just on, on my own or by myself. I'm here uh, by permission uh, from my family, from my wife, Stephanie, my kids. I got a picture of them so that you can get to see them a little bit. Uh, so right next to me is my oldest daughter, Eden. And then in the middle, that is not my daughter. That is my wife. Come on, everybody. Brown, don't frown. This man married a Puerto Rican woman, everybody. And uh, so thankful for her. And uh, a little over 27 years, and the, the ember fires are still burning hot. And, uh, and my other daughter, Emma, and then my son, Grant. And just so thankful. We got to plant a church together as a family in 2008 in New Jersey. And uh, this is where I actually met my pastors, Pastors Matt and Sarah Keller. Um, this is uh, from Fort Myers, Florida. That's where my family now lives, and we're a part of Next Level Church and the Relational Network. Uh, but 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, and my pastors moved to Fort Myers, Florida from the, a small town, Indiana, the only home they ever knew, to plant Next Level Church. And uh, they tell the story. They were sitting on the edge of their bed on their small square, 800-square-foot uh, apartment, just crying out to God, tears running down their face, feeling alone, feeling hopeless, and feeling clueless of how to lead a church. And their prayer that day was, God, if you let us live through this, and it was a big if, but God, if you let us live through this, we'll do whatever we can to make sure that no ministry couple ever has to feel the way that we feel. 
And that prayer was the birth of the relational network. And my, my wife and I met them soon after that. They became our pastors, started pouring into us, uh, started teaching us, coaching us, helping us. And, uh, and then we were able to, about a little over seven years ago, or almost seven years ago, move to Fort Myers, transitioned our church um, to become a campus for another church. And we moved to Fort Myers to become a, next, a, a part of Next Level and to serve the relational network. And so just really privileged and honored to be with you today. And today, if you want to take some notes, which I hope you do, uh, whether that's on your phone, it is scientifically proven, because I hear this all the time. I, why take notes? I'll never go back and read them again. Um, but it's scientifically proven that you actually retain more when you're writing it down as it's happening. So I want you to be able to retain. Um, I don't want you to just see this good-looking guy up here. I want you to get something out of this message. And uh, so anyway, I want you to take some notes. And the title of the message today is Be the Church. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, Be the Church. Turn to the other person that you were avoiding. Make some eye contact. I know it's awkward. Tell them to be the church. Be the church, everybody. So I, one thing I know about Buffalo is you all like your football team, everybody. Come on. Wow. Wow. So I grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania on Lake Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania. So two hours away from Buffalo, two hours away from Cleveland, and two hours away from Pittsburgh. And uh, my mom has two sisters, all three families. They each have their own team. And here's what I know about last Super Bowl. None of our teams were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yours will be this year, probably. In case you're wondering, in case you're wondering, no, I am not a Browns fan. I love Jesus. And for the one Patriot fan, I won't even make eye contact that's in this building right now. We have a special baptism for you after service. Today, <laughs> just joking. My team plays your team today, so we'll see what happens. But here's what I know. Super Bowl Sunday, whether you're at a Super Bowl party or you're just at home watching the game, you're eating your nachos, eating your wings, and you're wearing your team's favorite jersey, and it's not even in the Super Bowl. Why do we do that? Because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And Life Church Buffalo, can I tell you, you are a part of something bigger than yourself when you are a part of a life-giving church that's reaching lost people for Jesus, that's loving your community and serving your community. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's right. So we're going to talk about today, what does it mean to be the church, to truly like be the church, not just go to church, not just talk about a church, but to truly be the church, a part of something bigger than ourselves. And we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 2, and just a few verses in there. And we're going to be looking at this passage, this story that begins to unfold, where Jesus actually ministers to, to somebody. But it's not just Jesus that's a part of the story. There are others that are a part of the story to see somebody's life changed for eternity. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it starts off, it says, a few days later. And the reason it says a few days later is because Jesus had previously been in Capernaum where he healed a man of leprosy, and he did all of these other healings, and this, the word starts getting out. So it says a few days later when Jesus again entered into Capernaum, he goes into this house, and he begins to teach. Everybody hears that he's there and that he had come home. And it says that so many people gathered there that there was no room left. Jesus had space issues, just like us. Where are we going to park? Where are we going to put everybody? Not even, there wasn't even enough room outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And then it says, some, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. So what does it mean to be the church? Number one, if you're taking notes, what does it mean to be the church? It means that we do the heavy lifting. 
We do the heavy lifting. It says that a paralytic was carried by four friends. And we don't know what the relationship was like with the one that was paralyzed. We don't know if, if they had known him, if they were related, or if they were just on their way to go hear this Jesus, and they saw the paralyzed person. They decided, you know what? We saw him heal, heal just a few days ago. We believe he can heal you. Can we bring you to church? And they grabbed the corner of the person's mat to bring him to Jesus. This is what it means to be the church. Every single day, and we, we, we all pass by, we might even feel like sometimes that we are the one that needs carried to Jesus, that there are areas of our life that are paralyzed, but every single day we pass by people, maybe in our own home, maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe someone that we're on a team with, whatever it is, we pass by people every single day, and their marriage is paralyzed. They're paralyzed in their finances, emotionally paralyzed. Things in their life relationally paralyzed, maybe in friendships. And, we're, and, and they, if they could just get to the presence of Jesus, their life would be changed. Every single week, people walk in here, pull in the parking lot, literally giving God one last shot, one more chance, God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today as you were pulling in, finding a place to park. It might have taken you 10 minutes just to get out of your car because there's areas of your life that are paralyzed, but you're here giving God one last shot. And can I tell you, church, what it means to be the church? It means that we're not just going to come on our own. We're not just going to experience all of God's goodness just for ourselves. We're going to grab the corner of somebody's life, and we will do the heavy lifting. That's what it means to be the church. The story goes on back to Jesus. And, and so we've got these four friends. They're, they're bringing this person that's paralyzed. And it says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Can I just pause? Can I call like a, just a timeout just for a moment? So when I read scripture, I, I try to imagine myself in the story. Like, what was that like? Just slow down, because so many times we're just reading so fast through it, maybe just to get it done, mark the box, oh, I read my Bible today, check but we don't really see ourselves in the story. And if we can't see ourselves in the story, then the story can't see us. So we want, I don't want to just read scripture. I want the scripture to read me. God, I want you to read what's going on in my life. God, I want you to point something out. So here's Jesus in this room and it's packed. There's so many people, just literally imagine if this was today. This wouldn't just be all this empty space. There would literally be people sitting all over the place. No aisleways, people sitting all up on aisles, all around, everywhere. The side doors are open. Every door to this room is open. People are filling up all of those areas. There's people hearing Jesus speak, and they can't even see him because they can't get in there. And then you've got four guys that, that are just saying, if we can just get this paralyzed person in the presence of Jesus, we know his life will be changed for eternity. And they show up, and they can't even get in. They can't find a parking spot. They finally get him out of the car like we're just going to park wherever we can they park the car and they get to the building they get to the space and they can't get him in so what do they do how in the world did they get a paralyzed person up on the roof of this house we have no idea but just I'm, I'm imagining what that must have been like to get him up there and all of a sudden Jesus is teaching packed house he probably starts hearing some something on the roof he might have got a little distracted looked up for a moment maybe felt something kind of fall on his head and kind of brushes it off maybe it's one of the flies that's flying around and he's just swatting at it but all of a sudden a little bit more debris and he starts seeing it falling he steps out of the way and he looks up and there's these four guys digging like pull and tearing the roof apart in this house in this building and all this debris falling all of a sudden 
sudden, they start lowering their friend down into be right in front of Jesus. And then look at this phrase, and I love what it says. It says, when he saw their, say this phrase with me, when he saw what? When he saw their He saw their faith. What does faith look like? How did he see their faith? There must have been something, some sort of expression that revealed this expectation. Oh, what's he going to do now? Is he going to do what he just, like what he did the other day? I mean, I saw him hock a loogie, spit in mud and put it on somebody's eyes. Will he do that? Like, if that was one of our prayer team members, you would avoid whatever corner that's happening right. And they're like, I ain't, I just, I ain't going, let's go over here. They don't hawk loogies on the floor. Over here, they just, they just say something. and it, Like, what's he going to do? There's this expectation in the four friends. Jesus, he's going to do something. Get ready. Come on. Come on, let's watch. Let's see what happens. This is going to be amazing. They're leaning in. They're leaning over. And I can just see Jesus. He steps out of the way. He sees this Matt Lord. He's like, who in the world is doing this? And he looks up and something moved. You know, most every time we see in Scripture where somebody received healing from Jesus, he would say to them, your faith made you well. Your faith made you well. Your faith made you well. Your faith pulled something out of me that wasn't just going to happen, but it was your faith that pulled it out. Your faith made you well. And he looks up, and it says that he saw their faith. And then, as a result of that, he says to the paralytic on the floor, hey, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What does it mean to be the church? Number one, it means we do the heavy lifting. But number two, it means that we have faith for others. We have to have faith for others. I love how it says that he had, he had uh, just a few days earlier, he was in Capernaum. A move of God happens, and all of a sudden he's back. And this others had saw what he did before. They saw what he did before, and they believed that he could do it again. And I'm just saying, I, I just want to know, anybody in this room right now, that your, your marriage, is, is, if it's ever been on the rocks, and if there's ever been a test, and you never thought your marriage would survive, and all of a sudden you're still married, and you're in love, and there's passion, and there's grace because you saw Jesus do something, guess what? When you see somebody else's marriage hurting, you've got faith for their marriage now. If you've ever been experiencing a financial just hardship and you're upside down, this, this is my story right here. I had $50,000 of credit card debt on six credit cards. Upside down on my mortgage. I was about to lose our house. We were being foreclosed on. Had a car payment that was over $500 for the car and I couldn't afford any of it. And all of a sudden, someone stepped in my life started adding some counsel. Started, and I was tithing. I was a pastor of a church at this time. And guess what? I have faith for others because God walked me through that season, got me completely debt-free. So if you're struggling in your finances, I've got faith for you. i got faith for you. I've struggled with addiction, not just bad habits, but bad habits that turn into an addiction. So when I see somebody that's struggling with an addiction, I don't just walk past that paralyzed person anymore. As I'm walking past, I pause and stop. I go, listen, our addiction might be not the same, but my Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that he can heal you. I know that he can work in your life. I got faith for you. So do you have faith for anybody in your life? Who in your life right now needs a little bit of your faith? Just a little bit. And maybe it's not extreme as an addiction. And maybe your marriage is, maybe you're not even married. 
You're looking at relationships, and maybe you've never experienced a whole lot of hardship. Maybe there's not been a physical disease that's ravaged your body, and you've experienced the healing power of God. Can I tell you this? If you've ever said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've made him the Lord of your life, you've experienced the greatest miracle that anyone will ever experience on this earth, and that's the salvation of heaven. Do you have faith for the lost people in your life? If we're going to be the church, we are going to do the heavy lifting, and we will have faith for others. Look at verse 6 as the story goes on, because that's not the end of the story. It's not just the end that he says your sins are forgiven. It says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, and I love this because it just reminds me, if you've ever looked at, at pastors in your life, and, and, you're, and you're, or maybe even spiritual leaders, and you're like, man, they got it all together, and they're right, they're, they're just so hungry, I want to be like them. Uh, you don't want to be like these guys. There's something wrong going on in their heart. It says they're sitting there, and they're thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What does it mean to be the church? Number three, it means that we will have critics. There will be critics. When we're pursuing God, when we're seeking after him, when we're making decisions in our life and we're making adjustments because, listen, if you, if, if, if you don't like the way your life is, continuing to do the same things that you've been doing all your life will not get you different results. That's literally the height of insanity, to continually doing the same things over and over and over again, but expecting different results. I'm going to lose 10 pounds this week. Are we going out for, like, beef on weck? I thought he was speaking in tongues when he said that to me. <laughs> but, 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 can I get an, a translation interpretation, somebody? It was good, but if I eat that every meal every day, I'm not going to lose weight. Buffalo wings. I had buffalo wings. I thought I had had buffalo wings all my life. People are like, you want buffalo wings? No, no, I had buffalo wings last night. Like I had bu like wings in buffalo. Life changing. Thank you. Somebody help him get back on track. He's just lost in food right now. He doesn't even know where to go. It's like spinning around. You know, we will have critics. And here's what I know about critics. As a church... There's two places that we'll find critics. We'll find critics outside our church. You know, for me, I'll, I'll be wearing some of our church merch, our T-shirts, a sweatshirt or something, and, and it might have a saying on it, and I'll get out in the community, and somebody asks, like, oh, what's your sweatshirt about? Oh, it's from my, my church. And they'll say, oh, well, what church do you go to? And I'll say, I go to Next Level Church. And they go, oh, that church. Like, what does that even mean, that church? Right? But if, you, if you've ever been out and you've talked about your church and someone has said it like that and they're, they're, they've never been, they've never heard a message, but they know everything about our church, they've never even been. You, you've never, have you ever been? No, I've never gone, but I know that's how bad that church. Like, there, we'll have critics outside our church, but we'll also have critics within our church. And just like these critics in Jesus' story, they were just sitting there thinking. Some friends are trying to bring somebody in and they have faith for him for their life to be changed. And the critics in this story can't even move and get out of the way to make space for someone whose life is about to be changed. They're sitting there just thinking. And here's what I know about critics is that when we're, if we can find ourselves stumbling into criticism when we're doing a lot more sitting than we are carrying when we're doing a lot more, maybe it's the folding of the arms, we're just watching, we're just observing, we're not a part of making it better. 
Now, you just heard me talking about food, and I love food. Anybody else love food? Like, I, I enjoy food. And uh, I and not just enjoy food, but I, I like cooking. I've got a specific recipe that I love cooking. And so uh, being on staff at a church in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, when we were on staff, we, we didn't have enough money for cable, and so we went to Radio Shack. Anybody ever remember Radio Shack? <laughs> went to Radio Shack, got the, the rabbit ears, the antennas, and grabbed some foil and crinkled it up on the tips, and we're, like, turning this thing all over the place. And whatever the—I don't know what we did, but all of a sudden, the PBS channel— WQLN showed up on my television, and Lydia's Italian Home Kitchen was on the channel. And I'm watching her make this food, and it was making me so hungry. I'm like, I want to cook like that. So I order her cookbook, and it shows up, and I'm like, I don't know what it was that stirred me, but I wanted to make eggplant parmesan. So I turn to the page in the book where there's eggplant parmesan, and like any great chef, within one recipe, there's like four or five other recipes. A recipe for the sauce, recipe for the pasta, recipe for the eggplant. I mean, there's just recipe after recipe, and all of the ingredients. So I go to the store, and I decide, all right, I'm not going to do pasta yet. I'm going to do, do the sauce, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the eggplant. So I buy all of my ingredients, and I get it home, and you've got to cut the eggplant a certain way, and you've got to put kosher salt. You've got to kind of pull the moisture out of the eggplant before you bread it, and and fry it to this light, crispy, golden brown, crunchy eggplant. It's just amazing. So why it's while it, all the moisture being pulled out, I'm making the sauce, and it smells so good. And then I got to pull out that nine by thirteen glass Pyrex casserole pan. My mom's name is casserole. Just joking, but it could have been like we had casserole every like tuna noodle casserole. Oh, what's this, mom? This is spaghetti pie. No, mom, that's a casserole. It's just got spaghetti in it. Like it's a casserole, mom. Chicken a la king, casserole, mom. It's a casserole. Breakfast. It's a cat. It's a breakfast. Ca- Can we not make a casserole? Let's figure something else. Anyway, I grab the. I digress. So we grab the pan, and you take a little bit of that that sauce that you just made. You put it in there, and you grab some Parmigiano Reggiano cheese, and you start grating that over the top of the sauce. And then you take some some fresh basil, and you break it apart, and you just put it in there. And then you layer your eggplant on top of it. A little more sauce on top of that, and a little bit more Parmigiano Reggiano, and the frets, the fresh mozzarella, not the craft in the bag. Sorry, craft fresh. Fresh mozzarella. You got to pull it apart and let it sprinkle on. And you just make this thing, layer it up, and you put it in the oven, and you put some, get some bread warming in there, and, and you have an amazing meal. And I make this a little, like several times a year. I will take all of this time and make this for my family. And every single time I do, every time, our family, we will, we will critique it, myself included. My wife doesn't like as much sauce. She likes the crispy edges of the eggplant. So when I first made it, there was too much sauce. So we, we started pulling the sauce back. I like it spicy, a little bit extra, you know, uh, crushed red pepper in there. So we'll add a little bit more to that. And we're, we're critiquing it and making it better. Every single time it's improved, we make improvements on it. It's a very different story when I show up at Olive Garden. And if you work at Olive Garden, I love you. I'll pray for you afterwards and ask for your forgiveness. But when we show up at Olive Garden and they're not even glad I'm there, like you're here because I'm here. But if I don't keep coming here, you won't be here either. Like you have a job. Like be happy I'm here. Like just be glad. And come on, you have one job, Olive Garden. Does anybody know what the job is? When I sit down in the table, I want breadsticks. Come on, somebody. One job. One job. Hot. Just, just, just tell me, oh, the breadsticks aren't ready. What have you been doing? Like, when you got, like, make the breadsticks. And they sit you by the bathroom. The last place I want to eat a meal and pay for it is sitting next to the bathroom. Like, that's, and so I order eggplant parm. Eggplant parm comes out. And I'm like, I'm already pulling my phone out. My kids know it. They, they start pulling their shit. Because I'm opening up Yelp. I'm taking pictures. And I'm going to let them know how it T.I. is. Like, right now. Like, this is, the, this is bad, everybody. Why? Why is it easier to do that? 
spent all the time making something and I'm critiquing it, something I had no part in, I'm criticizing. Why? Because here's what I found about criticism is that it is a lot easier to criticize something that you have not helped to create. And when we're the church, if you're feeling and sensing a spirit of criticism coming up, there's a good chance you've not been grabbing the corner of somebody's life. You've not allowed faith to rise up on the inside of you for others. And you've not been getting in and getting connected in a part of the life flow of the church because it's a lot easier to criticize something that you have not helped to create. So if we're going to be the church, we're going to do the heavy lifting. If we're going to be the church, we're going to have faith for others. If we're going to be the church, we have to recognize that we will have critics. But here's the story. It continues to go on. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And so he says to them, why are you thinking these things? And then look at this next phrase. He says, which is easier? He doesn't ask which is harder. So for Jesus, they're both easier, but which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, take your mat, get up and walk? Which is easier to say? Number four, what does it mean to be the church? It means that we always remember that the whole point is life change. This is what we remember. We always remember that the whole point of everything that we're doing is that somebody's life would be changed for eternity. The whole point of you even getting here today, if you're wondering, why am I here? I apologize. Come back next week. Pastor Pete will deliver a better message. So just do that. But if you're wondering, like, why am, why am I here? What's the point of this? The whole point is that your life would be changed. If you've been serving, you've been grabbing the corner of somebody's life, and you've been working hard, and you're, and you're feeling tired, and you're, and you're feeling unsettled, and you're wondering, like, what's the point? I, the whole point is that somebody's life is being changed for eternity. Whether you're changing diapers in a nursery, whether you're loving on kids, I want you to know that for many of the children that walk into this room today, that walked into this building, they walked up to a kid's worker, they walked up into a classroom where there is an adult, maybe even some adult men. Many of our children have never experienced adult man getting down on their knees, looking them in the eye with a smile on their face and saying, I'm so glad that you're here today. I love you. Jesus loves you. I've been praying for you. We're talking about being the church. Why? Because the whole point is life change. And whether you're sitting in this room today and you found yourself maybe with your arms folded and you've been doing a lot of sitting and you're feeling that spirit of criticism coming up about whatever it is, it's too loud, we have earplugs, it's whatever it is, whatever it is. Here, you, I don't know if you've ever cast the vision of, of the, why the volume is at a certain level. It's not just because we like it loud. We just don't like hearing you sing. So... <laughs> I won't be here next week, so if you're mad at me, it's fine. <laughs> no, but seriously, you're able to lift your voice in worship, and you might not even be able to hear yourself sing. The whole point is that you'd be able to express your heart and express your, without any distraction. Why? The whole point is life change. Whole point. People walk in here every Sunday, giving God one last chance, one last shot. And when they pull in a parking lot and they see parking lot. A team out there with smiles on their face, directing, helping you find a spot, keeping you safe. It's all about life change. You walk in, people are smiling at you, greeting you. It's all about life change. Everything that we're doing is about life change. We want your life to be better 
and different. See, the Pharisees, these religious leaders, thought the whole point was to sit around and argue about the, the teaching, to argue about the, the lesson. And here's what we under, need to understand. They were getting upset. Maybe, they're, 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 it was, maybe it was their house. We don't know. Maybe they're mad. They, they just gave in a big offering to fix the roof. <laughs> and all of a sudden, their roof's being torn out, and they're upset. They're, we don't know what was going on in them, but the whole point was life change. And what we need to understand is life change is messy. When you start leaning in with somebody whose marriage is about to be just, it's, it's about done, they've written it off, and you're leaning in and you're trying to help them experience healing in their marriage, it gets a little messy. When you start leaning in with somebody that's struggling with an addiction, a, a bad habit gone wrong and gone rogue, and you're leaning in, it's going to get a little bit messy. When you're starting to help somebody that's struggling with some, some mental illness and feeling, experiencing depression over and over again, and you start leaning in because you want them to experience the life healing power of Jesus, it's going to get a little messy. When you have to get, sit down in front of somebody and you start probing and, and, and speaking to things that they're just blind to in their own life, but you know if I can just get you into the presence of Jesus, your life will be changed. It's, it's going to be a little messy. I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse, verse 4. It says, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Ox, it gets messy, but if you want a large harvest, it's going to get messy. If you want to see more people's lives change for eternity, it's going to get a little bit messy. There's going to be some things that we're going to have to shift around a little bit as, as we continue to grow and more and, people, more and more people keep coming. We're going to have to figure some things out. It might be changing some things. It might be adding on to buildings. It might be expanding. It might be adding on services. It might be, we don't know what God, how God will lead us, but we do know that God will lead us. But here's what I know. It will be messy. It will be messy. But the whole point, is life change? Take a look at this. The, the story goes on in verse 10. It says, but that you might know. So here Jesus is speaking again back to these Pharisees. And again, they hadn't even said anything. They're just sitting there. And he perceived what was going on by their facial expressions. That's why for a preacher, I just appreciate you smile. Lie to me. Just smile. It's all good. He's watching their facial expressions. And he knows what they're thinking. So he starts speaking to them. Which is easier. Healing, forgiveness, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. What does it mean to be the church? It means that we go home different than we came. We go home different than we came. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey today, wherever you are, however you walked in, the whole purpose of everything that we're doing today is that you would leave differently. Again, maybe it was a struggle for you to even get out of your car, wrestling to even get in the door. Maybe it was such a, a fight to even get your, your family here today. Maybe there was a fight on the way with your family getting here today. The whole purpose is that you would go home different than the way that you came. For some of us, it really felt like we were carried in here. You've had some people in your world and in your life that have been trying to help and they've been, they've been praying for you and they've been encouraging you and they've been inviting you to church and you're here today, maybe for the first time because someone grabbed a corner of your life. I want you to know today that the whole point, that God's whole goal for you today is that you would leave here differently than the way that you came. Can I ask you to pray a dangerous prayer right where you are right now? Just a dangerous prayer. And that is simply asking God, God, whatever you want to do, in me, you can do. It's a dangerous prayer. God, whatever you want to do. God, whatever you want to do in my marriage, would you do it? 
God, whatever change that I need to make in my life today, God, would you do it? Because the whole point is that we would leave here differently. Whether you've got paralyzed areas of your life, whether you've been serving and grabbing a corner, God wants your life to be different. Whether you found yourself as maybe the critic in the story, God wants you to leave here differently than the way that you came. That's the whole point of everything that we're doing as a church. All of it is about change. And look what happens here. So Jesus tells him, get up, take your mat and go home. And I love this verse. It says in verse 12, he got up. Now pause there. We can't run past that either. He was paralyzed. He couldn't even get, he couldn't even walk, couldn't even get to the building. He had to have help getting, getting even to the presence of Jesus. And one word from Jesus and all of a sudden healing hits his body and he walks up. It says that he, he got up, he took his mat and he walked out. And I love this phrase in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen, I've never seen anything like that before. When's the last time someone saw what God did in your life, and they exclaimed, I- I've never seen that before. I mean, I've seen marriage after marriage after marriage end in divorce, but I have never seen a marriage that has been on the brink of divorce restored. And to see them in love, there's romance, there's passion, there's, there's just life in their marriage. I've, never, I've just never seen anything like that before. How about somebody that's been, their life has been ravaged by addiction. No matter what the addiction is, I understand what it's like to be addicted. I understand what that, what, what the turmoil that that does in your mind. And yet I also know what it's like to be healed and experience freedom. And I've, I've, many people, I've like, I had never seen that before until I experienced it myself. Maybe from afar, I've never seen anything like this before. So here's the question. When's the last time Somebody had a view of your life and what God was doing, and they said, I've never seen anything like that before. Life Church Buffalo, can I tell you that that's what God's heart is for you? God's heart is that He would be able to work. You would allow Him to work in your life in such a way that He can bring healing, that He can bring help, that He can quench the thirsty, He can give food to the hungry, He can fill your life with hope and purpose where you'll never be the same again. That's God's heart for you today. And I just hope that you'll open up your heart and allow God to do that because here's the result of all of it is that when we leave differently, when we're never the same, the whole result is that others around us will see the life change and they won't be drawn to us. They won't be drawn even to our church. They won't be drawn to anything else. They'll be drawn to Jesus. And the greatest testimony that anybody could ever give your church is that your life was changed by Jesus. Not even like when people say, hey, tell me about your church. Hey, Jesus changed my life at Life Church Buffalo, but Jesus changed my life. Jesus did a work in me. Jesus forgave my sins. Jesus healed the addiction. Jesus healed my marriage. Jesus gave me wisdom for finances. Jesus moved in my body. Jesus moved in my soul. It is all about life change. And the whole point is that people's eyes would be focused on Jesus. Can I pray for you today? Would you just close your eyes just for a moment in this room? And I want to encourage you right now, just right where you are, just pray a simple prayer. God, whatever you want to do in me right now, would you do? Whatever you want to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, for those of you that are the sound of my voice in this room right now and you, you recognize that you have that there is sin in your life and that sin is separating you from God. That's what scripture says is that all have sinned and come short of God's glory and the wages of sin is death which just means separation from God. Spiritual death is separation from God. 
and you recognize that your sin is separating you from God and you no longer want to be separated, I want you to know that today is the day of salvation. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but simply right where you are, on the count of three, would you raise your hands just saying, I want to receive Jesus. I want to pray a prayer to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. Just keep your hand up just for a minute. Hands. No one's looking around. It's just between you and God. Lots of hands up right now. Come on, the entire church, the entire room, would you follow me in this prayer as we pray with those that are receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son for me to die on a cross for my sins and then to be raised again for my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me clean of all my sin. Make me new today. And then say this boldly, I commit from this day forward that I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, can you celebrate God? Yeah, we celebrate. All right, one more prayer. One more prayer, and I'll turn it over to Pastor Pete. Go ahead and close your eyes just one more time. Who are you in the story? You're a paralyzed man? Is there paralysis in your life somewhere? Are you one that's been grabbing a corner? Are you a critic? Whoever you are in the story, God wants you to walk out of this room different. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for your sons and your daughters right now. And God, I pray for healing. I pray for grace, all in the name of Jesus. We ask for a move of God in our lives, individually and as a church. God, for those that have been struggling, feeling burned out just from doing a lot of caring, God, I pray that today purpose would be reignited into them. They'd understand the why behind the what of all that they're doing. There'd be fresh purpose and fresh vision for those that have been paralyzed and they've given up any hope for there to be healing today. God, I pray for a supernatural spirit of hope and faith to rise up big in Life Church Buffalo to believe you, God, for healing for the paralyzed areas of our life and for God for those that have been struggling with criticism I ask for forgiveness and I ask for healing in their heart and God I pray for a motivation a sweet motivation in them to do less sitting and more caring so that we can reach even more people for Jesus and God will give you all of the glory and all of the praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus we pray if you agree with that church would you say amen come on let's celebrate God one more time amen. thank you can we give it up for Pastor Dan one more time? That was an amazing word. Woo! So good. So good. Listen, the first thing I want to do is address those of you that said that prayer a moment ago and maybe uh, committed your life to follow Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you're coming back to faith. Can I be the first one to say congratulations and welcome to the family of God? You're now our brother, you're our sister in the Lord, part of the body of Christ, and we want to know, we want you to know that you're not in this journey alone. We want to come alongside of you and help you take some next steps. And so if you'd do us a favor, in the seat back pocket in front of you is a green card that says, I've decided. Would you take that card and flip it over and just check the box that indicates the decision that you made today. And on your way out, if you could head into the foyer and hand that to one of our Dream Team members so that we can give you a Bible and some other resources that will explain a little bit more about what you just experienced. That talks about 
about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and also suggests some next steps that you may want to consider taking on this new journey as a follower of Jesus. But we're excited to have you as part of the family. The best is yet to come. Now to the rest of you, let me say this. You've heard me say many times that information without application does not lead to transformation. Pastor Dan just said that the goal of everything we do is life change, right? I want to be the kind of church that people come to for the first time every single week and walk away saying, I've never seen anything like that. I want to be the kind of church where miracles are happening on a weekly basis and people walk away saying, I've never seen anything like this before. Anybody else want a church like that? Come on. If the goal is transformation, and every single one of us should want to leave here different than when we came, how are you going to apply this message? Because information without application does not lead to transformation. So I just want to challenge you guys to ask yourself, before you leave today, how am I applying this message? For some of you, you just committed your life to Christ. Maybe your next step is to sign up for Starting Point, which begins next Sunday. So that you can surround yourself with a group of people that are in a similar place, either exploring faith or brand new to faith. And you can be like, okay, how do I take my next step? Sign up for starting point. Maybe, maybe you're here and, and you're, you're a critic. Maybe you've, you've criticized some of the stuff that happens here because you've not really been involved in creating it. But maybe God is calling you to help pick up the corner of a mat of somebody who's paralyzed and needs to be brought into the presence of Jesus. Maybe your next step is to sign up for Growth Path and, and find your place here. Find out how God can use the gifts and talents he's given you to be a part of the body, the part of the family that's, that's facilitating this environment where Jesus is changing lives. Maybe your next step is to sign up for a life group, to stop doing life alone and to, you know, jump over that threshold of scary, jump over that line of, of awkward, uncomfortable, like, I actually got to get to know other people. I, I got to go to somebody's house. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's your next step is to realize, you know what, I can't do this thing on my own. God's called me to be in community with other believers. And so don't leave today without stopping in the foyer, talking to a group leader, get connected today, find yours. Life is better together. Church, I love you so much. I hope you enjoyed this message. Uh, as our Dream Team members get into position to serve you with excellence on your way out, let me just remind everyone else that if there's anything in your life that you need or want prayer for, our prayer team is always available in the back, in the prayer room, in the back right corner of the auditorium. They're willing and able to just lay hands on you, to pray for you, to pray with you, that God would move in whatever way that you need him to move in your life. But I want to remind you about Clem Ferris Wednesday night, all-access meet-and-greet Tuesday. Hope you have a great week. God bless, and go Bills.